Every story in scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. This is the 11th class in a series designed to cover the 17 periods of Bible history. This is not a verse-by-verse -verse analysis. This is a survey, a summary of Bible history, where we work through a timeline in sequence from Genesis over through Revelation. The purpose is to have the big picture well in mind. We are not covering each and every narrative. We're just hitting the main events and periods of Old Testament history. Briefly, let's revisit previous studies. Class number one, God's creative work, the story of Adam and Eve and their sin, the episode with Cain and Abel, a genealogical table. This is all from the first five chapters in Genesis. Class number two, Noah and the flood. We read about the causes of the flood, the instructions God gave to Noah, the flood itself, and the aftermath. Class number three, the Tower of Babel, which explains the expansion God wanted of people into nations spread out. Class number four was important about Abraham, the promises God made to him. We are tracking those promises all through the Old Testament. Class number five, Moses takes the people out of Egypt, obviously with God's help, out into the desert for their long journey toward the promised land. On that journey, they receive the Ten Commandments, and what is happening is God is slowly but with purpose fulfilling the promises made to Abraham to build a nation from Abraham's descendants, give them a land, and through them, the Savior would eventually come to offer spiritual blessings for all. Class number six was about the Jewish people wandering in the wilderness because of their sin, 40 years. Class number seven was about Joshua and the conquest. Class number eight, the judges period. And number nine, the United Kingdom period with coverage of the reigns of Saul, David, and Solomon. Class number 10, we explained how the kingdom divided we talked about the idolatry of the northern kingdom leading to their end by the Assyrians. So we are at class number 11. And I'll remind us this is a difficult period of Old Testament history, hard to navigate due to the reality of two lines of history and kings we are following. You see from this diagram that you move along in a straight line and then you come to a place where there are two lines of history. Israel in the north, the 10 tribes, and then Judah and Benjamin in the south, sometimes called the kingdom of Judah. So the northern kingdom of Israel, consider it now gone, taken captive by the Assyrians. We'll concentrate now on the southern kingdom of Judah. And what I'll do is simply this, go through a list of those kings, and I'll do that with brevity that is suitable 
for a summary or survey kind of study that we're doing. And I'm going to use this chart my wife helped put together, and I'm going to start with Rehoboam. We already know about, to some extent, who Rehoboam is and what he is about from our previous study of his heavy hand promised in that Shechem assembly. He was asked to lower taxes and workload. Listening to his peers, the younger men, he not only refused to reduce taxes, he made it harder for the people. That was part of the alienation that initiated the division. After that, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, including his approval of idolatry. Temple treasures were taken in an invasion documented in 1 Kings chapter 14, and Rehoboam died after reigning 17 years. Abijah, son of Rehoboam, reigned only three years. He had 14 wives, and there was war with the northern kingdom at Mount Ephraim. Asa is next in line, who defeated the Ethiopians, and there is a prayer that he offered that is recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. The reforms of Asa are documented in 2 Chronicles 15. He took away altars to false gods. A huge assembly was conducted offering sacrifices to seek the God of their fathers. Asa is sometimes called Good King Asa, who even removed his mother from being queen because of her idolatry. The son of Asa was Jehoshaphat, who became king when his father died. Jehoshaphat was 35 when he became king. He wanted the people to be instructed in the law of Moses and sent men throughout the land for that purpose. So great was the power of Jehoshaphat that the kingdoms round about Judah stood in fear of him and the Philistines and the Arabians paid him tribute. He entered into a failed alliance with Ahab, who reigned in the northern kingdom. During this time, the Lord fought for Judah against the Moabites and the Ammonites. He entered into another alliance with the northern kingdom with Ahaziah and was again rebuked for that. He reigned Judah 25 years. He did some good. There isn't much to say about the next three rulers, Jehoram, Ahaziah, and Athaliah. There is that phrase you'll find in this part of the Old Testament, did evil in the sight of the Lord, applied to Jehoram, Ahaziah, very wicked, and Athaliah. Oh no, she was the daughter of King Ahab. Some list just leave her out. Then the reign of King Joash, if you have the King James, or Jehoash, seven years of age when he began to reign. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Second Kings 11, 17 through 20 is a good read about this king. The priest, Jehoiada, led the people in a recommitment of their lives to God, broke down the altars of Baal, executed the idolatrous priest, and broke the images. Temple worship was reestablished. This was in the time of Jehoash. 
Then Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign. It says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Uzziah, also known as Azariah. Uzziah was good at first, then went into the temple and offered incense on the altar, which was not authorized for him. He was stricken with leprosy. Jotham, usually considered upright, but the people were corrupt. He did strengthen the defenses of the people and build cities, conquered the Ammonites buried in Jerusalem. Ahaz, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord and worshiped Baal. Then there is much more narrative and intrigue surrounding Hezekiah. I think we remember him better than most of the others because there is so much recorded. Second Chronicles 29 says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He restored temple worship, which Ahaz, his father, had closed. He cleaned up the priesthood, had Judah keep the Passover, destroyed idols, compelled Judah to pay tithes. Hezekiah's thorn in the flesh was Assyria. There were threats, prayers to God for help, consultation with the prophet uh, Isaiah, the king's illness and the recovery. His mistake was revealing the nation's wealth to Babylon. You could make an interesting movie right here from the biblical account of King Hezekiah factoring in his relationship with Isaiah. Very interesting. I'll take us through the others after Hezekiah quickly with just a word or two about each one, and then we'll do some wrap-up. Manasseh, not like his father. Amon, only two years and wicked. Josiah, not bad, known for tearing his clothes because people had not been observing the law. Jehoahaz, evil. Jehoiakim, after paying tribute to the king of Egypt, he became a tributary to the king of Babylon. Jehoiachin, only three months, not good. Babylon begins to invade. Zedekiah, 11 years, did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the people are taken away into Babylonian captivity, which will be the subject of our next class. So, what do we say about this period of time? The southern kingdom of Judah, till the Babylonians came in 586 BC. We have noted before this significant truth. No matter what happens on earth, God intends to keep the nation intact. Men cannot interfere with the promises God had made to Abraham. No matter what happens on earth, God intends to keep the nation intact just as promised to Abraham. You know, that's the bigger story. Anytime we look at these Old Testament narratives, as we go through Old Testament history, that is an ever-present factor. That's the bigger story. Below the bigger story, isn't it always the case, there are these episodes and narratives that sometimes illustrate good, 
and sometimes warn us against evil. A couple of examples I've mentioned before, compromising alliances that seem to serve some immediate personal or political ambition can become a disaster later for the whole nation. Remember, we reap what we sow. It is challenging for a leader to lead people in the right way when the people are determined to live in sin. So these narratives always contain illustrations of both good and evil. One more thing about this. Look at Hezekiah and Manasseh. Hezekiah struggles, but he wants to do what's right. You might expect his son Manasseh to walk in his father's steps. That doesn't always happen. Spirituality and character isn't genetic, does not flow through the DNA. Fathers and sons can be very different, and this is free will, free moral agency, individual choice. Fathers and mothers ought to strive to teach their children the ways of the Lord and to illustrate those ways by the way they live. Sometimes, in spite of good teaching and good influence, choices are made in the wrong direction. However, I should add, Manasseh repented and activated his repentance by repeating some of the reforms of his father. So there is some hope for you. What's next? The period of Babylonian captivity. I hope you'll be with us for that episode that comes up next time. Thank you for being with us.